Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I'm your host, Carrie Parker. We've got a wonderful interview for you today. We welcome back John Graham Cumming. He is the Chief Technical Officer of Cloudflare, a wonderful company doing really great stuff on, uh, for the internet uh, and for all of us out there. Uh, they are kind of a, a protection layer uh, for, for a lot of different companies, and they offer some really great services. We're going to talk about several of those today, including a new service that they will be coming out uh, very soon called Warp. It's a VPN client for your mobile devices and really looking forward to that. Uh, we talk, So we're going to talk about VPNs today, virtual private networks, and we've talked about those several times on the show before. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, you know why you need one and why, honestly why most of them today suck, especially mobile ones. They're really kind of hard to use. They're kind of finicky. Um, they, they don't always connect well. They don't... It, there, there's lots of problems. So I'm really kind of hoping that this Warp VPN that will be coming from Cloudflare soon will address a lot of those needs and will quote unquote just work. While we're at it, we're going to talk about how our web traffic traffic is being watched in the first place, uh, mostly by internet service providers now, and why that's such a big deal now and didn't used to be. And one of the big questions is how do you know who to trust? There's so many different VPN service providers out there. Even if you don't plan on using the one from Cloudflare, there's several others to choose from. Some free, some for pay. Uh, how do you know who you can trust? We'll talk about all those things. Really tough questions. Uh, without further ado, why don't we jump right into our interview with John Graham Cumming uh, from Cloudflare. All right, and returning for his fourth appearance, a podcast record, by the way, is uh, John Graham Cumming, the Chief Technology Officer for the Internet Performance and Security and, dare I say, privacy company, Cloudflare. Welcome back to the show, John. Wow, is it really four times? It's yeah. hard to believe that's the case. Well, glad to be here. Love to have you on the show. You're always a really fun guest and uh, know so much stuff. And so uh, today we're going to talk about uh, some uh, various things, actually. You guys are doing some great stuff. We're in the middle of your crypto week, which uh, you've got daily announcements coming out about all sorts of cool stuff you're doing. We're going to focus on a few things here today. So, but, you know, by way of introduction, it, you know, you guys do Cloudflare. does a lot of different things to make our internet faster and more secure. Uh, as a recap for the older listeners, maybe, and maybe by way of introduction to newer ones, why don't you give us a brief overview of the key, let's start with the for-profit services uh, that provide that you guys provide. Yeah. I mean, what I always say to people about Cloudflare is um, you've used our services without realizing <laughs> it. And right. that, the reason I say that is we handle the the internet traffic for about 16 million websites or apis or apps and things like that so you know just by your normal use of the internet you've actually contacted one of cloudflare servers by going to a website or using an app and uh, what we've done is we've made that experience faster so our customers are the people who have the web servers who are the app providers who have the apis and they pay us to make their webs apps etc faster so We've made your experience faster on behalf of our customers, um, but we've also done some security things. So we've checked that you're not a hacker. Uh, mm. We've checked that what you're doing is not a DDoS attack. And if it was, we would have filtered it out. And so that's the so the core of our business is selling performance and security services to people who want to put things online and make them fast and secure. And for the benefit of the audience, that what is a DDoS attack? And, and I know this is important for you guys because it's actually one of the main things on your Wikipedia page because you were known in 2014 for repelling one of the biggest attacks in history at the time. Yeah, I mean, a DDoS attack is really a very dumb thing. It's just sending as much traffic as you possibly can to a website to overwhelm it. And um, the, what it stands for is distributed denial of service. So the denial of service, i.e. make your thing not work. Um, and distributed because they tend to use 
well, a long time ago, they used computers all over the world. Now they use IoT devices mm. all over the world. Whatever, anything that's connected to the internet that can be hacked, then it might get turned into part of a big network, a big botnet that would attack a website and, you know, realistically just flood it with traffic until it falls over. Yeah. All right, now, so Cloudflare has also made several services available to you know, vulnerable organizations for free. Uh, in the past, uh, I spoke with Doug Kramer uh, about Project Galileo, yep. which later expanded, I think, into with Project Athenian. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about those efforts. Yeah, well, I mean, we obviously we have a very generous free tier, right? So of those 16 million customers, many of them are not paying us. They're, they're free customers of ours. And the reason we do that is that We've learned that free customers turn into paying customers mm. very, very often. Um, so it's valuable for us. But we found over time that some of the people who were on our either free or low-tiered uh, plans were getting attacked quite a lot. And they were getting attacked because they were politically controversial mm. or artistically controversial in their countries. Um, so, you know, you might have somebody blogging about, you know, some sort of human rights in a country somewhere where that is a dangerous thing to do. And, you know, one way in which governments and other people shut down voices they don't like is hackers and DDoS attacks. Mm. And so we decided that we would give away our service or our higher tier service, I think we'd normally charge a lot of money for, to organizations or individuals who were, you know, politically or artistically, you know, challenged by um, you know, well-heeled attackers. And um, it's, uh, you know, what the way we do that is we work with civil society organizations, say like the ACLU or the Center for Democracy and Technology, the EFF, and they recommend and say, you know, this is this is an endangered website or an endangered person. You know, will you Cloudflare protect them? And we don't, we, we, we do it in an unconditional way. If they say, um, you know, this is endangered, we protect it. So it's not us making a choice about who does and who mm. does not get that protection. So that's Galileo. And then obviously after the 2016 US election, mm. there was a lot of concern about interference in, in elections. And there's concern in Europe as well about that. And if you think about elections are monstrously complicated things, there's, we obviously concentrate on the, the voting side of it and protecting voting. And that's one thing, but also the campaigns themselves for different candidates obviously get attacked, and that did happen in 2016 in the U.S. Mm. Um, but everything else, like the, the the voter roll, how is that collected? Um, you know, information about where you vote, you know, how is that protected? And so we started a thing called the Athenian Project, which was a similar, in, in a way similar to Galileo, which is for anyone involved in an election um, could request our services, and we would protect, you know, whatever it was. It could be an individual campaign, or it could be, um, you know, or it could be the a voting website, or it could be the actual, you know, voter roll. Um, and so that's what Athenian is about. So we protect a lot of, um, you know, municipalities and governments around the US uh, from cyber attack. That's fantastic. Um, but perhaps most significantly for our audience, you guys also uh, launched a lot of free services for individuals. Uh, the last time we were on the show, uh, we discussed a privacy protecting DNS service you guys launched on April Fool's Day of last year, appropriately <laughs> called 1.1.1.1. I always have to sit yeah. there and like mentally count the ones as I, as I list them off. So it's four ones or four one April 1st, you know, very clever. Um, and we discussed this in detail last time, so I don't want to go through all of that again here, but, you know, if you could just kind of, maybe for our audience, briefly explain what a DNS is and why someone might want to use Cloudflare service rather than your default ISP's DNS. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so first of all, DNS, the, which stands for Domain Name Service, is the service that allows uh, your web browser, your phone, whatever you're using on the internet, to translate a a name that you're familiar with, like you know the name of your podcast.com or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, or you know Amazon.com or Cloudflare.com, into the numeric address known as the IP address. Um, that is needed for your computer to contact the relevant web server to get the information you want or to contact, you know, the back end of an app. So, you know, fundamentally, the Internet works using numeric addressing, and that is translated into nice-looking human addresses like cloudflare.com, etc., um, by this domain name service. Now, the interesting thing about DNS is it's been around for a very, very long time. And like a lot of things on the Internet, security was not taken into account when it was created. So DNS is entirely unencrypted um, and there is no authentication. So basically what happens is your computer literally sends a single packet to a DNS server saying, please give me the IP address of cloudflare.com, for example, if you're visiting our website. And the DNS server replies with a single packet saying, okay, here it is. Now, first of all, that's unencrypted, which means anybody along the path can see what websites you're visiting mm. because you're asking for those things. So that's that's a big information leak. And second of all, it can be spoofed. Um, someone else could reply and actually tell you to go to somewhere else completely different, mm. uh, which is also a worry. So um, we launched a, a, a free DNS service, 1.1.1.1, so four ones, you're absolutely right. On, and launched on 4.1. And also, if you think about DNS as kind of the phone book of the internet, it's kind of 4.1.1 as well. <laughs> yeah. That's my other terrible pun. Um, <laughs> so we launched that. And that's, uh, you, there were two reasons we did it. One was we knew that with our scale, because we operate in 180 cities worldwide, we would very likely get to a point where we were the fastest. And in fact, that happened overnight. We're the fastest public DNS resolver there is. Yeah. Um, Second of all, we Cloudflare's always had a very, very strong privacy stance. If you think about our business, we sell services to people who have web servers and backends of apps and stuff like that. And the traffic for those web servers passes through our network. So we've always thought ourselves in a way as kind of, you know, guardians of someone else's traffic, mm-hmm. which has you know, really made us think about how we uh, analyze that traffic, how we store information about our customers, et cetera, et cetera. So we have this strong, quite strong privacy um, back, you know, background. And so what we did with 1.1.1.1 for once was that we uh, have a very, very robust privacy policy where we're not storing information about you and what you're looking at. Um, and we signed up with with KPMG to audit that so that they could be an independent mm. auditing so that people could know that, yeah, that wasn't just, you know, saying that they could be someone independent, you know, verifying that we did. Because the reality is Cloudflare's business is not about the data. It's about our customers having the fastest possible experience and our customers have the web servers. So we launched that as part of that. We launched secure versions of DNS. So there are modernized versions of DNS, one called DNS over HTTPS, and the other one called DNS over TLS. Almost the same thing, but not quite. Mm. But both of them are encrypted. And that stops anyone from spying on where you're trying to go. You can't see those lookups in the in the phone book. Um, and why would you be worried about lookups in the phone book? Well, you're, in particular, your ISP, if you're at home, mm. could see where you're visiting. 
uh, even if, you know, after that, when you visit the website, it's encrypted. They can see this DNS lookup, as it's called, and they can see, well, we know that Kerry goes to Cloudflare.com. Mm. Yeah, that's a piece of information. And then use that. Um, and, you know, there is a slight risk of it being something being intercepted. So, for example, in the UK, on my home ISP, if I type in a domain name that's incorrect, so I make a typo, mm-hmm. instead of getting an error, <laughs> I get a friendly page from my ISP saying, oh, by the way, you typed in something wrong. Um, they can do that because they are controlling DNS. Right. And so so I want, you know, I've obviously okay. changed to use 1.1.1.1, and if I type something in wrong, I get an error now. I don't get... Um, but it's an indication of the power that you have if you can look at the DNS level of things. So... The one dot one dot one. So, well, I, I did three ones there. Sorry, <laughs> four ones. Let's start again. Yeah, um, uh, has this encrypted version of DNS, so that you know anyone in the in the path can't see it. Be they your ISP or an eavesdropper, or even you know if you're just in a coffee shop, someone could yeah. start messing around with DNS. So it makes it a lot more secure. Wonderful. So April this year, you announced a mobile app to go along with this one 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 service. <laughs> <laughs> and I announced a coming mobile VPN uh, service called Warp, which we're going to get into in a minute. Um, uh, I got to go back to one thing you said, the phone book thing. So it, it, that's my favorite analogy for DNS as well. Is like it's, it's the phone book of the internet. And I was reading an article the other day that said, it's the phone book of the internet. And in parentheses, it said, uh, unless you're you know younger than 25 years old and don't know what a phone book is. I'm like, yes. oh my God, <laughs> that's right. A lot of <laughs> phone books date you. We don't have those anymore. Um, yes, we we have another thing like that in England, which is which is that um, we have a service on Cloudflare called Argo, which routes traffic across the internet around where there are internet traffic problems, mm. and we kept describing it as it's ways for the internet, and then somebody in the UK said to me. Yeah, but what's Waze? <laughs> because in fact, Waze is more popular in the US than it is in Europe. Uh, and so it was. You've got to watch out for your analogies. That's definitely. right. Yes. Uh, so uh, you know, I so part of the thing with the, the new app, you yeah, the mobile phone app. So I guess the, the the point of the app was to bring the same DNS setting thing to your to mobile device, not just your home computers. Um, uh, was to also with the app sign up and register for the upcoming warp service, which we're going to get in detail in a minute. And I thought I'd gotten in that really quickly. I thought, oh, surely I'm going to be, and I'm like 452,795 on your wait list. So, yes, I'm uh, sorry about that. There's a lot of people <laughs> signed up for it. Um, it was a bit of a surprise. So, so as you say, the original 1.1.1.1, I did it this time, <laughs> four ones app, it's, it's a fairly technical thing on your phone. To change your DNS settings, uh, let alone change them at all, but also to change them to use the encrypted versions of DNS. And so what we did was we made a free app available um, on the different platforms that would do that for you. So that's what the original 1.1.1.1 app is. uh, And that gives you secure DNS no matter what you're doing. Then we announced April 1st of this year, and it wasn't a joke, that we were going to launch this um, VPN for people who don't know what a VPN is. So the idea is secure the rest of the communication from a phone to the internet. So if you're sitting in a coffee shop, the DNS is is encrypted, no one can mess with it, and then the rest of the traffic is encrypted um, so that it goes, what would happen is it would connect to the nearest Cloudflare data center, be nicely encrypted with a very modern encryption protocol, and be protected from eavesdropping wherever you are. 
So, you know, VPN's been around for a long time. In the old days, it was, well, I don't know, it seemed to be mostly about corporations where, you know, I need to get on my, you know, corporate network while I'm traveling kind of thing. And then as the internet exploded and certainly things like, you know, services like Netflix and, and whatever that were kind of region locked came into uh, focus, VPN started being used by travelers who wanted to access their iTunes or their Netflix account or whatever while they were uh, abroad because, you know, if you were actually in Europe and trying to use your American service, it was usually blocked. Um, but yeah. now VPNs has really become to the fore for the P part of the VPN, which is virtual private network, uh, because we're being mercilessly tracked uh, every, everywhere we go. I mean, I used to tell people, well, you know, definitely use VPNs on, you know, public Wi-Fi hotspots and public Internet in general, maybe the airport or the hotel. But now, I mean, you know, it's in the U.S. at least with our current administration striking down privacy regulations for ISPs. It's really become something you almost would use all the time, even if in the quote-unquote privacy of your own home. Uh, would you agree? Yes, yes. I mean, the thing is that the, particularly if you travel because you end up connecting in weird places, I think it's, it, it is important to make sure that the way you're connecting to the Internet is secure, right? Because people want to get online no matter where they are. Um, and I, I think that's what makes it really important. Some people are using them at home. They want a VPN. They want no one to be able to see what they're doing on the Internet. Um, it's true that originally VPNs were very much around getting back into your company resources, right? You had a VPN into your company. Um, anyone who's done that will know how painful that was. But now definitely it has become more about can I preserve my privacy? Can I make sure that what I'm doing, from, particularly from my phone, is truly secure? Because so much of our lives is in phones. Yeah, and and Verizon and and this so frustrates me so much. Verizon and AT and T were were called out, were caught years ago, not many years ago, but maybe a few years ago. You know, attaching these quote unquote super cookies, uh, basically because they were when you're on your mobile phone, Verizon, AT and T, Orange, whatever, whoever your mobile provider is, that's your ISP, and and so they have a unique man in the middles to borrow a, a phrase from you know from crypto aspect they they see everything you do because they're the ones that are putting you on the internet and and they were caught basically tracking you and selling that information to the people and they said oh our bad we'll you know we'll stop doing it and then the trump administration said ah, don't worry about it <laughs> and yep. so, you know as far as i know now they're still doing it is uh so mobile has really become a, a real issue there yeah i mean i just think in general i know that people are you know mindful of the fact that there is so much um you can do with someone's data and i you know look at what's happening to facebook at the moment and the difficulties they're having mm. because of people thinking well they've got access to my private life and all, all these things are going on and in many ways your isp does too and also you know your mobile phone carrier knows a lot about where you're going um and so i i think people are getting concerned about how do i keep this stuff private because it, it really is about privacy you know it's about your i mean my whole life is in my phone and i would really like that to be private yeah. So the, so the obvious thing is, that even though it's called a virtual private network, when you're, when you're using a VPN, you're essentially exchanging trust in your ISP for trust in your VPN provider. And yes. um, so how do, we, how do we actually know that they're, that they're any better? How do we know that that's, a, that that's a good exchange? Well, that's a good question. I mean, if you, look, if you go and look at the privacy policy of many VPN providers, particularly the free ones, mm -hmm. um, it, it's unclear right, what's happening to your data. Because, of course, the VPN is suddenly seeing everything you're doing on, on the Internet. Right. Um, now, a lot of that will be encrypted already, right, because you're using HTTPS as much as you can in your browser. But still, there's a lot of information to be putting in someone's hands. So, obviously, privacy policies are very, very important to look at. And I think it was one of the reasons why Cloudflare 
decided to go in this direction of launching a VPN was that, you know, we already have a very strong history around privacy. We already with the 1.1.1.1 app did the work with KPMG to audit what we're doing. So I think we really made it, you know, a strong push to be to be known to be respecting people's privacy. And and the other side of it is our business is aligned with um, the privacy, right? Our customer is someone who the people who pay for all of this, is someone who has a web server and they don't want us spying on their customers traffic to do, you know, to do something like build advertising, you know, uh, profiles of people or something. So I think there's a lot you can see on the Cloudflare side is, you know, why we're not doing spooky things with people's private information. So, and this is a hard question. I, I'm guessing you don't have the answer any more than, than I do, but I'd still like to broach it. And that is, so you as a, as a big company with deep pockets and someone who's very committed to privacy have gone mm -hmm. the extra step and hired independent third-party auditors to, yep. put, you know, to somewhat, you know, prove that you're doing what you say you're doing. But, uh, you know, we don't, for, for example, in the U.S., we don't have GDPR, at least nothing like it yet, uh, the general, yeah. general data protection regulation that you uh, have in Europe and actually don't know what's going to happen when, if, UK, <laughs> if UK leaves, but that's a whole separate topic. Um, how does the average, how would, if you know, the mom and pop, my, my, my mom, my neighbor, my, my friends, if I, if they're trying to evaluate VPN products and they're looking online, first of all, the privacy policies are arcane and, and hard to read. Some of these, I've read several things that say that they're longer than Macbeth. I mean, you know, no one's good and probably harder to understand. How does the average consumer possibly hope to be able to compare these things, you know, and you could try to read their state, even if you could comprehend and read the state of privacy policies, how do you really know short of these third-party audits, that they're not logging and that if they say they're not or they're not sharing your traffic. This is something that I get asked all the time and I just don't have mm -hmm. a good answer. I'm not sure I have a super good answer to that because it's very hard, right? I mean, somebody could be saying, yes, we're doing all this privacy stuff and then not be doing it. And I think you're absolutely right about the length of privacy policies. One of the things we did with 1.1.1.1 is we made the privacy policy as short as possible. Um, you can read it. You know, it's not 10,000 lines long. It's very short, so you can really understand it. And I think backing it up with the third-party audit was very important. Um, I think the other thing is there are brands that are staking themselves on privacy. I mean, Apple is absolutely doing that, right? I mean, when they had their – they were thing in Vegas and they put up signs saying, you know, what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. I mean, they are making an extremely strong stand that they are the, you know, the, the company with you know, privacy at their core. And so I think – and they're staking their brand on it, right? If they – if they don't live up to that, then their brand is damaged. And so I think that's another thing is to look for who is really saying it and not using weasel words about it. Mm. Okay. So what about things like, you know, when I, cause I go, I of course look at many different privacy oriented websites, many of them very hardcore. Um, and one of the things that they will, they will often list is in their table of comparison of VPN products is where is the service headquartered? Uh, yeah. and they're, and they're, and what they're saying there basically is that, you know, the, the major allied nations have these, you know, shared intelligence systems called five eyes or nine eyes or 14 eyes, depending mm -hmm. on how many countries are mm -hmm. you're putting in that Venn diagram, uh, it's where they agree to, to, to share intelligence information. And you know, what that could potentially mean is that they're spying on each other. In fact, the, the one theory goes that just because the U S has laws that doesn't allow them to spy on their citizens, well, the UK doesn't. So they let the UK spy on us and then they let the UK tell us and then vice versa and those kind of things. So how important do you think it is? Does, is that a, 
Is that a real consideration? Does that where the headquarters or where the the business is 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 run from, and what laws they may be subject to, and that kind of thing? Um, I think it depends what you're trying to do, right? So if you're, you know, are you going to a VPN provider because you want to hide from the British, US, Australian, everyone, all governments in the entire world, then that's a very different thing from mm -hmm. are you going to a VPN provider because you don't want to get hacked while you're in a coffee shop or worry about your ISP spying on you. Mm -hmm. And I think, it, I think it depends what you want to do. And yes, there are definitely some... Uh, VPN providers who are going to say, yes, we're based in Switzerland, let's say, or something like that, because that's what they're really selling, right? They're trying to sell that. Um, you know, Cloudflare obviously is a U.S. company and subject to U.S. law. And so what the, our approach has been, you know, to as it has been for all of the kind of law enforcement side of things, to be very open about what happens if someone comes to us with a, a court order. And so we publish a transparency report and, you know, somewhat famously, we actually had a uh, request from the FBI some years ago to do something that we thought was not right. And we sued the FBI and won hmm. uh, to stop that from happening. And so I think we've shown, you know, through years of actions, how we think about these things, how we behave. So I think, you know, you have to look for that sort of thing. And yep, we're headquartered in the US. And that's how it's always going to be. <laughs> One of the other things that you kind of mentioned this yourself is is cost. And then the reason cost is an issue is not just how much it might affect your pocketbook, but the classic saying, you know, if the product is free, then you're the product. And yet you offer many free services yourself. So there are obviously exceptions to this rule. How would you how do you how would you counsel people to judge whether or not a free product uh, is necessarily still going to protect you? Well, so you first of all have to say, say to yourself, it's not necessarily just because it's free, you're the product, is to say, what is the product, right? So in Cloudflare's case, the reason why our, our service is free, uh, including the service we have for our you know, large, our customers who have web servers, is that we worked out over time how to make the, a freemium model work, right? So the good thing about free is that it attracts people to the organization because you can start using a certain amount of the service. And we did that for web servers and we're doing it in, in Warp as well in the VPN product. But what we truly know is how to upgrade people to pay us, right? So yeah, there's a lot of people who don't pay us, but what happens is over time we offer services and they upgrade. So the reality is, um, you know, in both cases, it's not that you're the product, you're actually a customer. Now you may be not paying us today, but we hope that we'll convert you to pay something later. Uh, because right. you'll find the service more and more valuable. So you have to look a little bit beyond the sort of simplistic slogan uh, to see what's really, really going on. Yeah, and, and you know, I usually tell people to you know to look at the overall business model. And you know, a lot of these companies that offer free products, like yourself, also have you know usually enterprise level products or or higher tier products where they do make the money. And so it is an upsell. It's a it's a kind of way to get you in the door and then perhaps get you to buy other services. Mm -hmm. So to you know to kind of look at the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, so I, I've tried um, several VPN services at home and on my mobile phone, and most and most of them have problems. Um, so, you know, while slow speeds can be annoying, the really troublesome issue for me comes with connections that can't be made at all. Um, so you're either forced to either disable your VPN or come, or give up Internet access. Um, you know, they just can't they can't connect. And so I'm going to go to Starbucks and I want to use my uh uh, VPN. My my mother complains about this all the time. She's got an iPad and she wants to go have a have some coffee and get on the local internet. But the VPN thing the app that I gave her won't work. What what is going on there? Why is it so hard to get that right? That is a great question. So 
the reality, the horrible reality of the internet is that it's not simple. That it seems like it should be simple. It's a network. It's got well-defined standards for how things operate. But there are differences all over the place where um, different networks operate slightly differently. And in particular, the scenario you're talking about, they probably have what's called a captive portal, um, where you know you have to log in or give your email address or something like that. And getting that stuff to work is really, really hard in the general case over all over the world because there are so many different ways of doing it. Um, and I, you know, part of the reason why Warp was announced on April the 1st but is not in everybody's hands yet is as we're rolling it out to people, we are shaking out all of these horrible problems because we have such a huge number of people are going to start using it. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, it, it, the Internet is a mess. And it's a mess of different things. And so you just have to kind of accept that and say, okay, well, then I'm going to, you know, slowly roll out services and test them. And we see this on the other side, right, on our service for for web servers. When we roll things out, there'll be, you know, some old web browser someone's using somewhere that has a problem. And we, we go in and make sure this stuff works. So in your experience, uh, are they working Are they working the kinks out? Is, is this just because there's like a lot of ad hoc people come up with these clever little, like these captive portals when you go to a hotel or whatever and, the, and you, they force you no matter where you go, the first page you see is, welcome our page, you know, click this agreement saying you, uh, you know, you're not going to do porn or crime or whatever. Yes. <laughs> and, right, you know, exactly. maybe give you yeah, CYAs, these, these little terms of service agreement, you know, even just to get on their internet, right? Um it, are all these things just kind of someone just rolled their own and that's why no one can come up with a solution? Are they, are they finally driving toward some standards and protocols for captive portals and things like that to, to work around these issues? Is that coming? So there there are some sort of standards and ways these things are commonly done. Um, the, the real question is, you know, how do you do captive portal detection? And so, you know, you have to go off and make sure you can successfully detect the, the portals that are out there. Um, but yeah, it, it is getting better. It's just that as with anything, if you want to make something work in the general case, right, I can go into any coffee shop and any hotel in the world. It gets complicated. Yeah, for sure. The other thing I've, prob- I've had with trouble with VPN clients is a good VPN client will prevent all Internet traffic until it can make a secure connection. If you've got this thing running, the whole point is you, you don't want to leak data information and you want to make sure that you're not your computer, which is in the background, is constantly you've got all these apps running mail and web browsers and other things. You're not even your weather. You know, I've got a little thing in my you know, Mac menu bar that's checking the weather all the time. These things are on the background. They're constantly checking the, uh, they're trying to get onto the internet. So whenever I get on the end, the first thing these things do are like gasping for air. They're, <laughs> they're trying, Oh my God, there's the internet, you know, please get me data. And and so your VPN client, if it's working right and running is supposed to block all of that until it can make a connection. Yet I've seen this time and time again, where when I first opened the thing, you know, Dropbox connects, uh, weather connects, you know, the page refreshes and then all of a sudden it doesn't. So there's still, there was like some window there where it screwed up and it, it didn't, uh, it didn't block all my browser traffic. Um, what, yes. what, what causes that? Well, I mean, the problem is networking is, is a bit of a mess in a way because what it was sort of, there was sort of an assumption that the network could work in one way and then VPN stuff kind of got layered on top and you're starting to reconfigure how the network is working. Um, actually, funnily enough, one of the other reasons why the, the Warp app is yet to ship fully is that Apple changed some of the APIs on iOS mm. in the middle of us working on it and we had to redo it. Again, indicating you know how, complica- how complicated the networking side of things is. So yeah, I mean it's um, it's definitely messy getting this stuff to work for everybody's phone because you imagine once we release this thing wide, there's going to be a very large number of users, and so we've got to get it right. 
Now, the other thing I'm, I'm curious to know is it, I've read some places that some of the VPN clients you have are actually not complete like tunnels for all of your traffic that some of them are actually apparently like maybe only for web traffic uh, mm. so that you've got other apps that are running that are that are hitting other ports or whatever that are completely visible to someone else. How, how common is that? I don't know. That's not something I've really investigated, although it wouldn't surprise me, you know, given the complexity of getting a VPN right. Um, that you know that somebody wants to limit it. I suspect what the people are doing in that case is they're trying to limit handling video traffic because of the mm-hmm. bandwidth. Um, especially if it's a free VPN, you're probably you know trying to um, you know save money on how much it costs to run that service. So I, I bet that's what's going on there. Okay, so we've 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 talked a little bit about warp, but now let's let's get into the meat of it. What tell us what your product is going to be like when how, you know when we can get our hands on it? Um, what kind of how it's going to solve all these horrible problems? Uh, how is it going to make our world better? Well, you can you can sort of get your hands on it right now, which is you can go download the one dot one dot one dot one app from the App Store from Google Play, and you can install it, and straight away we will give you the pri- the private DNS stuff will happen immediately. And you'll then be put on the wait list for Warp itself. Um, once that releases, then what will happen is if you turn on the, on Warp, which I, I have it on my phone right now, then it w- we will ensure that all of the traffic coming off of your phone is encrypted. And it will be encrypted up to the uh, closest Cloudflare data center. And we have 180 of them around the world. Um, and then you, you, that will mean that you'll be protected from spying by your ISP, by someone in your vicinity, the coffee shop, or wherever you are. And then from there, obviously, Cloudflare knows how to connect securely on to the rest of the network. So we will connect to wherever the real origin is. And how soon can we expect to see this rolled out? I mean, maybe you can't say at this point, but could you give us a general idea of when will this likely be more will be generally available? Soon. <laughs> so I'm being hesitant just because we are very soon we have there are actually quite a lot of people got it in their hands um uh you know and so I think that you know we'll we'll, we'll soon within weeks you will be able to that wait list will burn down and you'll have it so I've looked at that I found a couple of really interesting products recently um and actually uh, one of them is called Winston Privacy and one of them is called Guardian Mobile Firewall and and they've kind of come at some of these other privacy and security issues from interesting angles and I'm kind of curious to know if this is something that maybe you guys are considering as well so the so I'm actually going to be talking to the guy uh, from Winston Privacy soon uh, another interview mm-hmm. and this is a box uh, a hard piece of hardware that you put basically between your router and the rest of your network at home um basically between your modem and your router and this box claims to you know, sniff all the traffic, both incoming and outgoing, which is kind of a uh, the way we're going now because so many of, we have so many apps that are tattling on us all the time and phoning home, um, and to look for tracking uh, malware sites and, and and things like that. And then this Guardian Mobile firewall is kind of a similar, but for your mobile phone, uh, they what they really are under the covers is a VPN, and so under the covers they're routing all your traffic, so it's not really happening on your phone, but you route all the traffic to them, and they are yeah. looking for you know, weird apps that are, that are phoning out of your thing, you know, to places like if your weather app is talking to some Chinese government website, you know, that, that might be a cause for alarm. Um, are these the kind of features that we should be expecting to see in warp and other kind of cloud products in the future? Probably not. We're probably not going to do something for the home like that, like mm. a box you can install. Um, you know, I think our, our big thing is, you know, on your laptop, on your phone, particularly if you're someone who travels a lot, we'll be giving you a secure, you know, experience. Um, you know, 
if we get into something with a box, it might be licensing the warp technology mm. to run on, mm-hmm. you know, the actual broadband router or one of these mesh Wi-Fi things people buy for their home, you know, like an Eero or something mm-hmm. like that. You could imagine it being embedded in that. But I don't really see us going off and building our own uh, building our own box. Not yet, anyway. What about the reverse firewall thing, where, where it's not so much blocking stuff coming in as paying attention to what's going out, and like, and maybe, you know, uh, cutting off command and control servers or uh, tracking sites where you yeah. know you've downloaded some app that you know it goes to NOAA for the weather, but it also goes to some other you know data broker to give up your information all the time. What about things like that? We we have tended not to be the people who on the 1.1.1 app, for example, and on the service, we don't filter out DNS names that might be malware and things like that. Um, we're not touching anything. And I, re- I recognize there are services that do that. They're providing an additional security mm-hmm. service on top. Right now, we're not planning to do that. So actually, it brings up an interesting question. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, I, I totally get where you guys are coming from. And I really like, for instance, the way you guys handle some of the Project Galileo things or wherever you're just, where you're trying to just be you know, Switzerland, right? <laughs> you're not, yeah. you're not trying to make decisions for people. And I, and I, and yes, I completely right. get behind that perspective. Will, as a consumer, let, let's say I want to kind of layer these things. I want to kind of do one. Is it possible to have, do these services conflict? Can I, can I get the best of both worlds by layering two services on top of each other? No, you should be fine. You should be able to layer. I mean, I would have thought this would work fine and you shouldn't have a problem doing that. Wonderful. All right. Well, it's been great talking to you and I'm look, really looking forward to getting my hands on the warp uh, <laughs> and trying Soon. that out. Really I mean, yes, soon, 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 soon. Um, and it's been great talking to you. Is there anything else you'd like to, you know, talk about that's coming up with Cloudflare or some other interesting projects that our, our listeners might be interested in checking out? Well, I mean, by the time this goes out, Crypto Week will have come out and we will have launched all of the things we're doing around crypto. And I think it's probably worth looking at that. The The announcement that's going to come out as I speak right now in four minutes is about mm. what we're doing around quantum computing. Uh, and the reason we're doing something is that Quantum computers uh, put at risk all of the encryption that we use mm-hmm. today. And although quantum computers at scale don't exist, very, very simple ones exist today, um, there is a risk that at some point they really do exist. And so ourselves and others around the internet are working now on eliminating this threat by using encryption algorithms, which are what's called quantum resistant or sometimes called post-quantum and so we're making an announcement today about some free software that people can use the sort of cryptography, which will be secure against today's computers and the quantum computers of the future. Yeah, that's a whole topic I'd love to get in at some point. Because the whole it becomes kind of a boogeyman thing, <laughs> the whole quantum yep. computer thing, and uh, you know, as all these kind of myth generating you know, technology people, you know, think it's the end of the world, and you know, and but yeah, that's a that is a topic for all of the show. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. It was great talking to you as always. And uh, maybe we'll be out for the fifth time and you just maintain your, 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 your lead over all the other guests. Yep, that sounds great. Well, you know, I will look forward to coming back whenever you invite me. Thanks once again to John Graham Cumming, our returning champion. Uh, he's been on our show four times now, and I'm sure it will not be the last. And he's always a lot of fun to have on the show. He's very good at explaining these topics. And hopefully we'll have him back on the show again. Maybe we can bring him back to discuss quantum computing and how that will affect cryptography and all of our secure communications. In the show notes, I will make sure I include a link to, to the Crypto Week blog from Cloudflare that discusses all the really cool new technologies and services that they rolled out last week. 
and be on the lookout for the Warp VPN. You can kind of get it ahead of the game now. You can go download the 1.1.1.1 app from Cloudflare. Uh, and when you download that app, you can you can start getting secure DNS right away for your mobile devices and register for Warp. And uh, hopefully that will be coming out soon. And when it does, you'll be able to chance to check that out as soon as it comes out. Next week, I'll have another news show for you. There's a f- several topics to cover, as always. There's never a... Never a dull moment in the realm of security and privacy. Also, with the 4th of July here in the U.S. coming up soon, as we're celebrating our Independence Day, I wrote an article, a blog on my website, uh, firewallsdon'tstopdragons.com, you might want to check out, called Big Brother 2.0. There are some efforts, once again, in, in the United States, like there have been in the U.K. and Australia, to ban strong encryption. And it's a very slippery slope, and there's a lot of problems with this... <laughs> with this movement to basically allow law enforcement and intelligence agencies to have privileged access to all of our encrypted communications. It's a really thorny issue, and it's something we've honestly been debating for years. The, the original crypto wars were back in the 1990s, if you remember the clipper chip and some of those things that when this first came up uh, with the government of the United States. And we, you know, we thought we had won those wars back then, but they're coming back again, especially with, uh, you know, after 9-11 and some of the terrorists. Um, terrorist attacks. So it's crept back up again. And just last week, the Trump administration held a meeting with a lot of their agency heads to talk about how we might ban encryption. And that's not a good idea. So uh, you might want to check out the article, Big Brother 2.0. You could also, if you're signed up with my newsletter, you would have gotten that on Sunday. And of course, you can find the sign up for the newsletter on my website as well. After the news show next week, I've got a really cool two-part interview with the CEO of Winston Privacy. Another tie-in for 1984, Winston was the lead character in George Orwell's book. And uh, it's really interesting. Uh, we get to talk about privacy and this new device that he's got that is, shows some real promise. I've, I've already ordered mine. Uh, and so you listen to the show and you can find out how, you, uh, how cool this device is. You might want to think about ordering one yourself. It's going to be a very, very interesting interview. All right, that's going to wrap up our show. As always, you can go to firewallstonesubdragons.com to check out the blog, sign up for the newsletter, get information on the book, and get access to some other resources. You can get the book off of A Press or Amazon.com, Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons, with uh, over 150 tips on how to keep yourself private and secure. And if you'd like to support me more directly, I would love for you to check out my page at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Go to patreon.com and uh, check out Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Just search for that and you'll get all the info. Happy 4th of July to everybody out in the U.S. Everybody else, have a good week. And until next week, stay safe and don't get caught with your drawbridge down.